Amen. It's a pleasure to uh, speak to you all. Pastor Simon's a very uh, key person in my life. There's uh, many things Pastor Simon doesn't actually know. <laughs> and I'll share with you guys just before I actually share a word. So I work in, uh, in London. And London's just very different to most places. And young people in London are very different than most places. Difficult, difficult kids. And I always had a theory in my time working in churches was that they need to connect to, to people who've gone through what they're going through. That was my theory. There was no leader higher than me that ever visited the young people until Simon came. He said, Angie, I want to visit the, the young kids. I said, really? They always say that at the beginning. But Simon actually came. And something took place, and I've never told him this. I'll say it to everyone now. Something took place that shocked me, and that's when I knew this was a man of God. Not through his preaching, not through his time of worship, but this happened. I see a young, uh, a young group of kids, all black. This particular set of kids, they're not the easiest kids. Not because they're black, just this set of black kids. Pastor Simon sat on the table. Now, they're a hard group to connect with. He sat on the table, and they all connected to him. Now, to some of you, it doesn't sound like much. They connected, so what? No, it was, a, it was a miracle that took place. I said to myself, they, have, they don't look the same. There's about 70 years difference. Okay. I'm joking, I'm joking. Right, but they connected. And I said to myself, that's God. In that moment, I said to myself, check, this man stays in my life. So it is a pleasure to come down to Birmingham, beautiful city, and um, speak to you all. Amen? Amen. And it's a, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing to know Pastor Simon, truly a man of God. I was praying, and I said to myself, Lord, what should I say to these men? What do they need? I was struggling. I was struggling. I said, Lord, I can say this, I can say that. But he said, no, I want you to talk about a few things, and I want you to connect it to the, to connect the, this revelation to them in a particular way. So we're going to touch on a few points. But the first thing I want us to go to is Luke chapter 10, verse 39. Let's all go there in our Bibles. Luke chapter 10, verse 39. Now, the message title is Supernatural Robustness. Supernatural Robustness. Luke 10, 39, and it says this. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. In fact, let's go, let's go up a little bit. Let me give you a bit of context. The story, the parable that Jesus shares just before this is a well-known parable, the Good Samaritan. From verse 37, it says this. Um, and he said, he showed mercy on him. So he's talking to, he's ending the parable and saying, listen, the Good Samaritan showed mercy. So who's the, who's the, who was the neighbor? The neighbor is the person who shows mercy. This is how he's ending the Good Samaritan story. I say this because I want everyone to know this. The mercy of God is key. If any of us can approach God based on anything, it must always be two things. One, the blood of Jesus, which is based on his mercy for us, and the fact that God is merciful. Often, when you come to God outside, and see, those things elicit thanksgiving. When you come to God outside of those things consistently, it's quite dangerous. You'll actually come to a place where prayers aren't really answered. You'll come to a place where I'm coming to God based on my own good works. I haven't sinned for six days. Hallelujah. God's father in heaven. Now it's time to answer me. No, no, no. It doesn't work like that. It's not about your good works. It's really about the mercy of God and being thankful that he is merciful and the blood has been shed. So mercy is key. Verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. 
And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. When I read this, the Lord said to me this, I want you to ask them this one question. How are they spending their time? It's very unusual to use the story of Mary and Martha at a men's conference. Yes, that's true. But there is a principle that God really wants us to look into. How are we spending our time? And based on how we are spending our time, what is our priority? Is our priority simply doing for God? Is our priority simply the busyness of life? Or are you going to make the king of kings, the lord of laws, the prince of peace, the king of glory, priority? Now this is a question that every man here must answer, not just today, but tomorrow, and the following day, and the following day, and the following day. Why is this important? This is important for the following reason. Your spiritual robustness depends on it robustness check out this word definition robustness the quality or condition of being strong and in good condition look at this one the ability to withstand or overcome adverse conditions or rigorous testing your spiritual robustness is key to you doing anything correctly. The Bible says that our war isn't against flesh and blood. So your biggest challenge isn't your wife. Your biggest challenge isn't your children, isn't your friends, isn't your dad, isn't the effects of your dad, isn't the, 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 the any issue that any person is, is bringing to you or is still affecting you, that's not your issue. They aren't the problem. The biggest challenge is this. Hmm. And this is the question I want you to write down. Am I walking in spiritual robustness? And if you don't like this new term, I want to make it more biblical. Are you walking in Dominion. Dominion. Everyone, let's go to Genesis. Oh, I love, I love a good parade in Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. Why is this spiritual robustness? Why is this dominion so important? Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Now we're going to go to a few um, verses just to create a foundation. Then God said... Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. Also, to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb of food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. When you walk in dominion, it's a good thing. 
Not your dominion over your brother. No, dominion doesn't work like that. Dominion, the best way I can describe dominion, listen to this. Dominion is this word. It's actually the Greek word, the Hebrew word rada. Now, dominion is this, to prevail against, to reign, to rule, to take over. God's way, God's power wants to reign in your life. God wants to take rule in your life. When you put your hands on something, God wants his hands with your hands. When you speak, God wants to speak through you. Problems will come in your life. Facts. Hands up if you have a problem in your life right now. (laughs) Good. We're all living. Problems will come. And often our focus is on the cause of the problem. Who done it? Why did they do it? But let me tell you this. Let me encourage you this, my brothers. Instead of wondering and being affected and frustrated and angry about who done it, who's to blame, the real question is, how will I respond? If you have no control of the issues in your life that come, you do have control in how you respond to those issues. God's desire for each and every one of us is to reveal dominion. In every situation, it's an opportunity for you to show this is how God deals with it. Dominion. To have dominion, one must subjugate themselves. Subjugate. What does it mean, subjugate? To submit, bring yourself under domination or control. You have to submit yourself to God. Your submission to God is key for his dominion to reign through you. It's not enough to simply say, I have faith. It's not enough simply to say, but I know Pastor Simon. It's not enough just to say, but I accept the blood of Jesus. It's not enough just to say it. There should be an experience to your faith. And this is often where the churches often go wrong. They talk about the theology, what must be believed. But the reality is, what must be done? If you're not doing as the word says, please, hold on, before people think, ah, this is works. You see... Life, the Christian life is a supernatural spiritual life. It's supposed to be led by the spirit of God. It's not your own strength or your own ability or you trying to appease this far and distant God. No, it's the reality of the revelation that God inside me I have submitted to and as a result that God inside me is taking control of this mortal body that you can see. That's the Christian life. The Christian life, anything less than that is religion. Anything less is religion. But a supernatural life that is led by the Spirit, now you're living. Now you're free. Free from what? Free from everything you thought was you that is not you. Okay, check this out. Everyone, bring your mobile phones out. Everyone bring your mobile phones out. Go to your notes, okay? Go to your notes. Go to notes. This isn't, I need you to do this. Go to your notes. If you have a pen and paper, even better, right? Here's the question I'm going to have for you. I'm not going to check this. I'm not going to ask you to pass it around, but I need you to be open and honest. I want you to write a list of every, be honest, of every negative thing that you think about yourself. I'll give you 60 seconds. Let's do it. I need everyone to participate. If you miss this, you've missed an opportunity. Every negative thing that you genuinely believe about yourself. I want you either to write it down in your phone, preferably, or I want you just to think about it. But writing down is better. There's some people that's not writing down. Men of God. People are still pondering on the last revelation. Come, join us. Yeah? 
I want you to write every list, that list, of every negative thing that you think about yourself or every negative thing that was said to you. Now, as you write this list, I need everyone to understand that this list, oh, let me not talk more. I need everyone to engage in this activity. You see, sometimes in church, we come to church and we're there, but we're not there. We're, it's part of the process. Monday to Friday was difficult, to, was difficult. Saturday we went shopping with the family. Sunday we go to church. You can be there. Do you know there was one time, as you're writing this, there was one time <laughs> I left my house and I was walking to church. It takes about 40, 45 minutes to walk to my church. I left my house and about three quarters of the way, I realized I was three quarters of the way. What do you mean, what do you mean Pastor Andrew? This is what I mean. I didn't know how I got there. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? You can just be in process sometimes. This is what you do. This is how I live. I'm here. And I said to myself, it's good that I'm on my way. But how did I get here? So many of us live a life of process, but we're not living. You're in process. You're in pattern. But you're not alive. Okay, this list, hmm? Pause, hold that list for a second in your head or on your phone or on paper. Listen to this. <laughs> Let's go back to Genesis. This dominion that God gave us is very important. It is key. It is God's rule. New Testament sees it as the kingdom of God or part of the kingdom of God, the rule of God. If you ever want to know a better definition of the kingdom of God it's God's rule so God wants to have his way his rule in your life so that his way his rule can be seen through your life so that he can be seen glorified by what you say and what you do that is dominion hmm. check this out hallelujah the enemy does not want you to walk in dominion because if you walk in dominion you reveal God so what the enemy does is try to put sin in your life. Because if you do sin, let me explain sin in an unusual way. Sin is a blockage to the glory of God. If you sin, you as a believer are simply blocking in that moment the opportunity to reveal God's glory. The enemy wants you to not show God's glory. Because if you show God's glory, you show the world he's alive. Okay. So, check this out. Not only is it a blockage of God's glory, it affects how you think. Oh, there's so much to unpack here. Hallelujah. This is an amazing revelation. I encourage you to write it down. You need one thing to sin. Do you know what that is? Shout out if anyone knows. You need one thing in order to sin. Think about it. The sin that we do every day, you don't know. Ah, why am I doing that? It's true. You have to believe a lie. If that's not worth writing down, I don't know what it is. In order for you to sin, you have to believe a lie. How? Everything that you do, your behavior is connected to your beliefs. So everything that I behave, everything I do, is connected to something I believe. So in order to behave wrongly, sin, I have to believe a lie. I have to believe something that God didn't say in order for me to say, mm-hmm, I believe it, I'll do it, sin. This is important. Everyone, no one believes a lie on purpose. It's not like you go to McDonald's, can I have a bag, can I have, you know, uh, a hamburger and two lies, please. It's not that. No one intentionally believes a lie on purpose. But there's always a benefit that makes a lie believable. Specifically, there is always a personal benefit to you in order for you to believe something that is actually a lie. If there is no personal benefit, there is no need to believe it. Does that make sense? Pastor Andrew, where are you getting all of this from? Genesis! The woman was talking to the serpent. 
The serpent said, surely you won't die. In response to, what did God say? Uh, God said, I should not touch or eat. God didn't say that you shouldn't touch. I sent some children. They said to me, oh, Pastor Andrew, um, they, she sinned because she touched it. No, that wasn't the sin. I told them, they started laughing, if she picked that fruit and more and started juggling with it, it wasn't sin. If she licked it, it wasn't sin. The issue was they ate. The question is, why did they eat? The Bible says, for she saw it was good to eat and it would make them wise. Benefit. She saw a benefit to a lie, which made it believable. Get ready. The reason why anyone will see benefit to a lie is because you don't know the truth about who you are. They were already like God. They thought the fruit would make them be like God. They were already like God. The issue was they didn't know, they didn't believe. And because they didn't know, they didn't believe, they thought there was something else that they should attain for in order to be the very thing that they already were. So when the temptation came, the temptation was information, which was inaccurate. But because it was in line, because they saw lack in themselves, they said, aha, this what he's providing will fill the gap. They ate, they sinned. Here's the issue now. This is now where we're affected. And they saw that they were naked. God said to them, where are you, Adam? Where are you, Eve? They were hiding. Why are you hiding? Because we're naked. One of the most damning questions. Who told you you were naked? <laughs> damning. Why is it damning? Because in that moment, man realized that he had the wrong perspective. I say all of that to go to your list. Look at your list. Who told you that that list is true about you? Who told you? Look deep. No, 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 no. You, you guys aren't really, you're not absorbing this. Look deeply at that list. See, those who didn't do it, you, you now missed it. Look deeply at the list. Listen. Listen. <laughs> We can, oh, listen, I can over-spiritual Christianity. I can do it easy. But here's the problem with it. If we don't face, if we don't come face to face with the lies in our life, I can't do much for you. The lies have to be addressed first. That list is a list of lies about you that you believe. Here's the problem with that list. Because you believe it, you will now do things because of it that you shouldn't do. Does this make sense? Do you know all of us would be richer if we didn't believe some of these lies? Because some of these lies make us pay for things that we shouldn't pay for. Some, some of us would have been married by now if not for this list. Some of us would have been promoted by now if not for this list. Some of us may have had businesses that God called you to have because of this list. Why? Because you're still believing things that God did not say to you that you believe to be true about you. And they shall know the truth, and the truth shall set them. If dominion, if you submit yourself to the one who is truth, and say, you know what, not, your, not my way, but your way, Yahweh. If you do that daily, every day, you'll get to a point where God's dominion will be seen through your life. There are some people in this room that may be on the cusp of divorce. You're contemplating it. That's a lie of the enemy. Please clap for that person. Hallelujah. There are some of you who are thinking about quitting. Whatever that quitting is, that's a lie of the enemy. There's some of you who are genuinely thinking about, I want to give up. There's, it's always been like this. It's a sense of hopelessness. That's a lie of the enemy. But we're giving him space 
in our lives because of the lies. I am sold out for this word of God. I've come to realize, you see, the world will say it's about what you look like. The world will say it's about how much money you have. The world will say it's about if you have a family. The world will say it's about how many friends. Oh my gosh, we got to the point where the world will say it's about how many likes you have. The world will say all of these things and we live for these things because if we attain those things, maybe in that moment there'll be wholeness. But the Bible says in him you have been made whole. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. This man spoke from a place of reality, from a spiritual dimension where it was true to him. I have no lack, the Lord's my shepherd. I have all that I need. He didn't, oh. Mm. Hallelujah. You see, we play around with our words. We play around with our words. We talk Christian. We come in, how you doing, brother? Highly blessed and favored, hallelujah. <laughs> we do it too much. Imagine if you said it from, get ready for this. I'm, I don't want to blow your head too much. Imagine if we said these words of faith from the dimension of faith. In short, what happened if what we said was true? It is true theologically, but is it true experientially? The only thing that is blocking you walking in this sense of reality is that list. All the people that address you or look to you based on that list. You know a hard one? Your experiences that make that list true. What do I mean by that? I think I'm a thief. Why do you think that? Because I stole yesterday. <laughs> right? Don't allow, worth thinking, worth writing down. Don't allow, stop allowing your experiences to dictate who you are. It's not about what you do that defines you. It's whose you are that defines you. Jesus said it in a, in a beautiful way. He sent the 70, 72 out to, to, to operate in signs and wonders. They went out. Hey, demons listen to us. Hallelujah. Jesus said, oh, it's hmm. good. It's better for you to rejoice that your name's written. Come on. It's better. What are you trying to say? It's not what you do that should bring you joy. It's your identity. It's who he says you are. Guys, you don't understand. Listen. You have to fight for this reality. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Each morning, it's like we wake up and it's like we have to do the same thing again to, to fight for that reality. If any of us had a sickness... And you knew a particular pill had to be taken in the morning to keep you alive. Would you take it? Yes. Okay. So if we were doing it for medication, why wouldn't we do it with the medication which is also known as the word of God? Why wouldn't we say, you know what? How dare I leave my bed area without engaging the one who's made me new? So I can walk from that dimension of truth, how he sees me, where I walk in his agreement, in accord. Oh, hallelujah. And that's the place. Listen, brothers and sisters, when you're walking in your true identity, when you're free from the lies, that's who your wife needs. That's who your brother needs. That's who your sister needs. That's who your parents need. That's who your colleagues need. If you walk in that dimension of truth, there is freedom because to get into that truth requires the Holy Spirit of whom you've been given already. When you think about what I'm saying, I'm saying this. There is a you that has the ability 
to do all things right according to how God sees righteousness. So, in you, whoever you may be, is the person, the new man of God, that can do anything and everything, who can overcome all situations. That person already exists. You don't need to study to find him. You have him already. The biggest challenge is releasing what you have. Prayer. I've gone to so many churches and I see that men don't pray that much. And they struggle. All I'm telling you is concepts and theories. They're not theories, they're realities. But how do I, this is good Andrew, I like it, I want that, right? How do I get from here to there? Should be the question. Here's the answer. Dominion, know that how you should function in life requires God's dominion, right? It requires it. When you are revealing it, you are walking in his authority. In order to walk in his authority, you need to walk in your new identity. You have to walk in your new identity. Let me, let me make it a bit more biblical. Your biggest issue, oh, I want to catch someone out. Who's brave to answer? None of us are, oh, come on. These men of God, right? Okay, fine. Someone will be brave, come on, step up, right? Check this out, this is the question I want you to answer. Spiritually, what is the difference between you and Jesus? What's the difference? Would you say there's differences? Would you say that Jesus is for... Everyone wants to say, Jesus, he's greater. Come on now. Jesus, come on. Like, he's, that's Jesus. You see, the fact that you've said that means that that's the problem. You still see that there's a difference between you and Jesus. Yes, maybe in physical location, you're here, he's up there. But according to the word of God, you have been joined to him. You are one spirit. So on a spiritual level, there is no difference between you and Jesus. Meaning the fruits, the byproducts of his nature being revealed in your, in, in your life, love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, self-control, and all of that, that can be done in you. Because you have the same spirit as him. It's a hard crowd this morning, Pastor Simon. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That dominion, the fruits of the Spirit, Philippians 1.11 talks about the fruits of righteousness. It's the way of the Spirit. Listen, brothers, he's not asking you to try and be a better person. He's trying to get you to realize that the person that you think you are is dead. You've got it now. That list shouldn't exist. Okay, let me give you another one. Remember when you were young? Yeah, this will definitely fit this crowd. When I've done this with kids, they were like, What? Tracing paper? Have you ever used tracing paper? Right? Or see the understanding of tracing paper. Imagine, right? You've got a, a very hard picture and you use tracing paper. You put the tracing paper on top of the picture and now you can draw that picture. You show it to your mom when you were young. Ah, oh, mom, look at the picture. Oh, that's amazing. How did you do that? I've seen your cows, right? This is amazing. Here's the issue. The reason why I use this tracing paper analogy is because you have spent all your life tracing the ways and patterns of the world. You've traced it. Now the reality is the old picture that you thought was you is gone because you're in Christ. The biggest issue now isn't who you really are, the picture behind, it's the tracing paper, what's on it. And that's why the Bible says renew your mind, rub it out. Rub it out. Until you rub it out, you can't enjoy what I'm saying. Until you realize every day I'm connecting to the Father. I'm not going to allow these lies to stop me from engaging. I believe in the blood. I am his child. I am his son. I am one in the same with Jesus Christ. We're like this. When you do that, my brothers, 
every day, consistently. Hebrews 11.6, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's daily discipline. I'm not going to leave my house until I'm walking at least in a minimum, in a sense of, of, of his love for me. Minimum. When you do that, my brothers, you'll start to see dominion in your life. You'll, start be, you'll be able to start loving people. You'll, start, you'll be able to crucify the flesh daily. Why? Because you'll see the value of his will. The reason why your will seems so important is because you're not walking in the revelation that his will's built. Think about it, right? Some of us are bolted. It was only by chance I was looking at you, my brother. We just, right? But even in our lack of hair, the Bible says that God knows the hair that is on your head. He, they're numbered. Not just how many, they're numbered. That takes how many to a new level, by the way. That means there's a particular strand that is a particular number. Are you with me here? Do you know how many strands of hair are in your head right now? But the God that you believe knows that. Do you care about the, strands, the number of strands in your head right now? For most of us, no. But in reality, this, here, this, here, here where we're going with this. If he cares even about the number of strands in your hair, which you don't care about, what else does he care more about for you than you do for yourself? Crazy. That's too much. Think about it. That's too much. That means he's willing. If he knows about the numbers of my hair, he's willing for so much more. So why don't we allow him to do so much more? Your biggest issue is that, very simply, you do not see yourself as a son. Some people say, ah, I I think I do see myself as a son. If you truly saw yourself as a son every day, you would look like Jesus more and more every day. The lies oppose the truth that he says concerning how he sees you, which is as his son. In everyone's situation that you're going through right now, answer this question. Do you think if Jesus was in your situation, it would be better right now? I would like to say, I would hope to say that Jesus probably would make it better right now. Okay. Pastor Andrew, what good is that to me if you're telling me if Jesus was in control, it would be better? Because you and Jesus are one and the same. And if you submit yourself to him fully and not do part-time Christianity, if you really say, you know what, I'm living for the kingdom of God, for the rule of God in my life, for the sake of my friends, for the sake of my family, for the sake of everyone around me, let alone myself, I'm going to live for him. Living for him first requires you to realize that you're a son. I struggled in Christianity at the beginning because I thought it's all about doing. I grew up in a Nigerian family. In a Nigerian family, you're only hugged, if you've got, anyway, you're only hugged or celebrated if you do academically well. In my Nigerian family. My dad never sat down and just said, man, just, you're amazing. Not because of what you've done, because of your ability. He didn't do that. My mom, she, she has her pros, she has her cons. Every man, every dad, every mom had their pros, had their cons, 100%. And there's different levels for every situation. But what I'm trying to say to everyone is this. I grew up thinking that my performance connected to my value. And the reality was, my performance had nothing to do about my value. It was Jesus' performance that revealed my value. 
And as a result of understanding that, I realized in order for me, we started off with the Mary and Martha, in order for me to do, let me first be. If you convince yourself that I must be, what I mean by be is see myself one as Jesus Christ through my time of prayer and intimacy with him. If I just be from that place, I can do. Philippians 2.11. It says something along the lines of, um, for it is he who gives us both the, um, the power and the desire to do his will. Each and every one of you, no matter how old you are, there is a seasonal purpose for your life. Changes in different seasons. God wants to reveal himself in this season of your life. And if you allow him to, you are an overcomer. For you to understand the depth of the word overcoming or overcomer, you have to read Revelations 2 and 3. To every letter that he writes to the churches, he says, to he who overcomes. In short, to he who surrenders, irrespective of life's pressures, irrespective of what has happened. Listen, some of you had horrible um, childhoods, but your childhood that you went through is trying to manifest in your adulthood. No. God's desire is for you, yes, to walk as a child, but a child of God. I want to encourage everyone as I wrap up today. I could go on for another two hours, trust me. I want you all to understand this. We'll wrap it up with scripture. This dominion that God wants you to walk in, this way of living that will benefit every issue that's going on in your life, this way of living, dominion, has been given to you. We lost it in the Garden of Eden. But Jesus gave it back to us. He says, I believe in Matthew 20, 28, that all authority has been given unto me. That authority was the right to walk in complete dominion on earth, let alone in heaven. Remember in Luke chapter 4, um, the devil says that he has authority. He didn't, oh, Jesus didn't argue that at the time. You see, when man fell, we came under the power of sin. When Jesus raised from the dead, he basically said this, the power of sin over those who believe has been destroyed. The things that you don't want to see in your life, in terms of how you respond, in terms of addictions, in terms of behavior, they don't have to continue anymore. That's what he's saying. You're free. You're free. This is amazing. Come on. We're free. Come on. You're free. The bad doesn't have to continue. You're free from that list. You're free from self and selfishness. You have the ability in him to love the unlovable. Whoever is classified as unlovable in your life right now, you can love them now. For some reason, men often think that through aggression and anger and rebuke, people are changed. But that's not biblical. The Bible says it is the goodness of God that leads a man to. 
So in your love is the revelation of God's goodness. And if you want people to change around you, your greatest challenge is to be changed by the love of God that is given to you. It's not about them. It's about him. It's like you have to be blind to what they do. And that's why he says, don't live by sight, but live by faith. So, Pastor Simon, I'll wrap up. Oh, yeah, for sure. There is freedom. There is love. There is joy. There is righteousness brewing in this room because the presence of God is here. The ability to overcome all things is here. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That verse is prophetic if you allow the spirit to strengthen you then all things that need to be done will be done the people who've hurt you and have made those lies seem so believable you can forgive forgive them father for they know not what they do Jesus said that on the cross he was beaten to smithereens Imagine that. And he didn't deserve it. But yet, on the cross, naked, not with the Primark towel and a small stab wound that we see the Catholics say, but beaten to smithereens. He says on the cross while they're heckling, spitting, saying all kinds of things, forgive them. Many of us can't forgive because they don't realize that forgiveness comes from, is a slice that comes from the cake of love. To forgive is to love. If you can't forgive, it's because love hasn't completed you yet. But you're free to fall in love. Meaning you're free to forgive and let go. Which means everything that tried to break you, that didn't, you can let them go. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. That as I speak and have spoken, that chains are being broken. Chains of habitual sin. Chains of faulty thinking. Chains of, that, have been, that have produced prayerlessness. Lord, I pray that the revelation of your death and resurrection shows each and every one of us here in 2023 that we have been restored to the Father. You said, I go away. I go to my Father. He went to his Father because of the death and resurrection so that we could come to the Father. And as we walk with our Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that every sense of lack be broken. I pray that every blockage in any man's life or mind that has been affecting their right or belief to come to the Father, I pray it be broken right now in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that there is a zeal, a zeal not to do, but to first be to be one with your son, to, to, to rejoice in the reality that we are one with Jesus. And as a result, we are your sons. And because we are your sons, we can say from a loving heart, Abba, Father. I pray for each man of God here that has been affected by their biological father by a, a lack of physical fathering. Lord, I pray that they no longer look behind them like Lot's wife, but they look forward and up to you. And by your grace, 
you will mature each and every one from boys, irrespective of their age, to men of God. I pray for a father's heart to be revealed in each man of God here. Not just in the church, at home, in the workplace. I pray that we realize that pursuing you is better than indulging in sin. I pray that each man of God here realizes that they're no longer a slave to sin. But they are slaves to righteousness. Sons of God who are loved by him because God is love. I ask you, Heavenly Father, for every lie that has been a blockage to be revealed to everyone this day and as a prophetic act, anyone willing to step out in faith today, in fact, let's do it like this. I want everyone who believes God has spoken to them in this message, I want you to come to the front. And myself, Potter Simon, and any other of the intercession team, if they're here, we're just going to do a simple prayer. A prayer of, of, of really a declaration, a prophetic declaration to speak to your body, your mind, your soul, that you're free. That you're free. I want each person who says, you know what, this is the day. I'm not going to turn back. I'm not going to turn back. I'm not going to turn back. I'm not going to allow my past to affect what God says should be my future. 